It's different in here. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? It's different in here. Come on. Give three people a high five and take a seat. While you're taking your seat, I want to ask you guys to think about this, okay? My name's Stephen. Uh, I'm on staff here at the church. I do all the youth ministry and stuff like that. So if you're wondering who I am, that's who I am. Uh, uh, I want you to think about this, right? How many people in here have kids? Cool, great, good majority of us. How many people in here have ever uh, been around a kid? Okay, now we got everybody's hand up. All right, perfect. When you ask a kid a question, it's almost as if that there is a pre-programmed response on the inside of them. Like they were born with this inside of them that no matter what the question is, no matter who asks, they have a, this response, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I, I want you to respond with me. Can, can we be a responsive church today? Yeah. Amen. Hey, can we be a responsive church today? Because yeah. I feel like you guys can pull some things from the Holy Spirit, and we can have church today, and it's going to be a good Sunday, but we got to be responsive, right? So, so when you ask a kid a question, it's almost like this pre-programmed response. It's automatic, and they always say, Why? Why? Every single time, no matter what the question is, if you've ever dealt with a kid, you will know they always say why. And it's almost like as an adult or young adult or, or senior citizen, wherever you're at, it's almost like you've passed this threshold at some point in your life where you get the right to say, because I said so. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't have to have a reason. I don't have to have uh, any kind. You don't, you don't need to know anything except for the fact that I asked you to do that. Well, go brush your teeth. Why? It doesn't matter, okay? Just do it. Kids, start with why. And I think that there's, I think God designed it that way. The Bible says we need to have childlike faith, right? I think there's a genuine desire inside children to want to know why. I want to know why. Just tell me why. Show me why. But see, as we get older and life begins to move forward and, and we begin to take more and more things on and, and it gets busy, we don't start with why. See, if I was to come and introduce myself, I'd say, hi, what's your name? Donnie. Donnie, I'm Steven. And we start with what? What do you do? We start with what? And I think it's because as we get older and as we move forward and as things begin to progress, we begin to lose the wonderment of why. It'd be interesting, more weird, if I said, hi, Donnie, how you doing? My name's Steven. Why do you do? It doesn't, <laughs> that's really weird. It's grammatically incorrect, and it doesn't make sense at all. But see, there's probably people on your row, people that you know, and you know what they do, but you don't know why they do it. And today, I want to talk about why do you do. Today, I want us to focus on why. So look at your neighbor and ask them, why do you do? Why do you do? Why do you do? Why do you do blank? And that's what I want to look at. Why did you decide to become a parent? Why did you decide to start that business? 
Why did you decide to take those classes or go to this school? Why did you decide to marry that person? Why? I want you to ask yourself why. Because you know what's funny is if you ask someone why, depending on their response, it kind of determines if you're going to continue with the conversation or not. I don't know about you guys, but being here in my job in the church and doing ministry and helping pastor a church, when people ask you, oh, what do you do? And you say, oh, well, I, I help pastor a church. It gets super awkward, and all of a sudden a door comes up, and it's like, oh, great, awesome, have a great day. And I'm like, I still need my coffee, though. Like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> See, I think it's easy for us to start with what or with what. I think it's easy for us to start with what because our value seems to be tied up in our what. We think that our worth and, 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 and how important we are and our success is in our what. And in and, and, and reality, our success is tied in our what, but our significance is tied in our why. And I want to look at that today. See, I, I've, I've lived the life of a let's be successful, but at the end of the day, I didn't make any kind of change. I didn't make any kind of impact. I want to look at being significant versus being successful. Success is found in the what and what we do and, and what we make and what kind of boots we wear and what kind of bike we ride and what kind of salary we make, what, what, what. But I wonder why we do it. Why do you do it? And see, I want you guys to take notes today. And if, and if you're not a note taker, today you're going to look like an all-star because there's literally two words you got to write down. And it's going to be that simple, okay? See, a good why, a why that's going to sustain you, a why that's going to anchor you in the, in the storm and in the season, a good why has two things inside of it. Number one, a who. Number one, a who. And number two, aware. One, who, two, where. See, I believe a good why is about taking a who to a where. A great why is about taking a who to where. And I'll give you an example. When I was younger, we lived uh, in this house over uh, off Taft Street, right? Is that what it is? Taft Street. And it, it wasn't on a, on a main road, but it was off of a main road. So the road was still pretty busy. And our front yard didn't have any kind of fencing around or anything like that. It was just open to the street. And one day, for whatever reason, I was out there, and, and whether it was a ball went into the street or a frisbee or whatever, but I began to run out to, to receive or retrieve whatever it was I was going for. And I heard my dad. He does this, this whistle thing where he, like, puts his fingers in his mouth, which I did not learn to whistle like that. I, I don't have to put my hands in my mouth. <laughs> See? But he does it. And he, and he puts his, his hand in his mouth, and it's the most, the loudest, most, like, you just instantly authoritative whistle I've ever heard. And, he, and me and TJ would lay on our beds all the time. We'd sit there and try and do it forever, and we're just like, this is impossible. It's a gift from God that he has. It's got to be. Uh, and, and, and he whistled, and he yelled, stop. And I turned around, and obviously, why? And obviously, because I said so. <laughs> And then he came, and he, what was great, and what I loved was he began to explain why. And he said, you know, Stephen, and, and he taught this to all of, our, all of my brothers, but he said, there's things that you might not see that I can see. And if there was a car to be going by, 
and you ran out on the road, I would need to know that if I told you to stop, that you would stop so that I could save your life. And once I understood the why, it didn't matter where I was at, if we were in Costco or the mall, and we heard our dad, or the parking lot, and we heard our dad say, stop, we stopped. Why? Because he had a why. It was about getting a who, me, to a where, like tomorrow. I just, <laughs> let's get him to the next day. Let's keep him alive, you know. A good why is about getting a who to where. And I'm hoping today, my, my heart today, my prayer, is that you might rediscover or God might show you your why. I'm hoping that you leave here today with a new passion in your heart, a new desire, a new found of this is why. This is my why. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to open our Bibles. If you're here, uh, turn your Bibles on if you need to. Uh, open them. We're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And it says this. In the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, my, my older brother and his wife were hoping that they start having babies. Uh, and I'm rooting for Hakaliah to be... <laughs> The, the firstborn's name. I think it's a strong name. It's a powerful name. It's a good firstborn name. Words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, during the month of Chislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah. And I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and its gates have been burned down. And when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The image of this recap hit Nehemiah in such a way that one version says he collapsed. That all of his physical strength immediately left his body and he fell to the ground. It in a sense, literally broke him. And what we see is we see a picture of Nehemiah connecting with the pain of people. And see, I think we need to dig a little bit into the story more so that we can understand why this happened, because it doesn't really make sense. Because Nehemiah was a king's cupbearer. Like, he had a great job. His life was set up. He had a 401k, man, he had, he had a parking spot in the palace parking lot, like he was set up. Everything he needed was ready to go. And he hears about this, and it breaks him. And I begin to wonder, why would something like this take all of his attention, distract him in such a massive way? And like I said, I think we need to go further into the story, but did you know that 70 years before this story was written, that the Israelites were living in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was like the place to be. It's like the Tri-Cities of Washington. I mean, amazing, right? Can you agree with me? I mean, it's perfect. Man, it's a city on a hill. It's God's place. This is, what, this is the place to be. And the Babylonians come, and they take the city for their own. And they destroy the walls, and they destroy the gates, and they take the people to be slaves. And it's a bad day. It's a really bad time. But what I also find interesting is that like 17 years prior to that story, prior to when the Babylonians came and took the city, this is the same people, the Israelites, right, that were leaving Egypt. 
that God freed them from 400 years of slavery. And they're going where? To the promised land. Man, they're going to God's place of land flowing with milk and honey. And it took a little bit longer than it was supposed to be, but they got there. And they get to this amazing place, and it's like they were slaves, and then they get freed just to go back into slavery. And I wonder how many of us, or how many people on your row, or how many people in your job place can relate with this. That we get an area of freedom in our lives, and it's like, yes, I'm here only for the next day to look back and wonder, why am I back in this bondage? Whether it's a way of thinking, or, 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 or a bad habit, or, or a thought process, or, or what is it that we get this freedom only to find ourselves back wrestling with this bondage? I wonder how many people, how many of us in here know of someone in that situation? See, I think in these moments we have to, see, it's, it's not just a historical narrative of, of something that happened a long time ago, but, but to me this is present day reality. See, we have to find ourselves in the story. Man, they get free just to go back into slavery. See, what's interesting is when Nehemiah hears this a few years before, the Babylonians told the Israelites, you, you're free, you can go. Take off. Go back, rebuild your cities. And they took about two to three million people slaves. An entire nation of people, they took them as slaves. And then they said, okay, you're free. You can go, go home, rebuild, strengthen yourselves. You're, you owe us nothing. And about 40 to 50% of them actually went back. And the rest stayed in Babylonia. Isn't it interesting that we'll be so comfortable in our bondage that we will actually decide to stay there instead of stepping out into our freedom? because we're uncertain of what's going to happen. See, I wonder how many of us know someone, or maybe we're in this situation, that my bondage is too comfortable right now, because you see, I know what I get. I know what I have in this bondage. I know how I've learned how to cope with it. I've learned how to live my life. I can make it through another day in my bondage, but yet I'm not going to actually step out into my freedom because I don't know who's going to provide if I step out, or I don't know what to expect the next day. I wonder how many of us know someone or are in this spot where freedom is available, but I just can't step out because I don't know what I'm going to get. And that's where Nehemiah, we find Nehemiah in the story, is he hears about these people that did go back, that did step out into their freedom, and they're trying to rebuild a city that's meant for three million people, but only a small percentage of them are actually there. And they're having to rebuild a wall, and they're having to rebuild the gates, and it's supposed to hold three million, but there's only a few of them there. And, and, and what we see is Nehemiah's brother comes and says, listen, every time they get the walls a little bit higher, every time they get the gates put up, someone comes through, whether it's another nation, another city, or a band of thieves, they come through and they raid the city, and they burn the walls down, and they tear the gates down, and they take all the food and all the supplies, and every time they get a step farther, they get three steps back. And I wonder how many of us know someone or in this situation. It's like every time we get a step out, man, it feels like we get hit in the chest and we go three steps back. And Nehemiah, he hears about this. And what we see is we see Nehemiah connecting with the pain of heaven and the pain of the people. He becomes a conduit for God. And it says that he collapses and he begins to weep 
And for a number of days, it doesn't say, it doesn't tell us how many days. It could have been two, could have been 22. But for a number of days, he prayed and he fasted and he mourned. See, I believe a good why is about taking a who to a where, but I think your why begins in a pain for other people. See, I wonder when the last time is that you actually hurt for someone else. I wonder when the last time was that you went by and you saw someone on the street, maybe a lot less fortunate than us, and instead of making an assessment of how they could be better, you began to hurt for them. Or I wonder when the last time you saw someone in a certain situation, and instead of being critical and judgmental of why they ended up that way, you actually began to hurt for them. I think a good while begins when you begin to hurt for someone, and you hurt for people. And you sit down and you position yourself in a spot where I can receive and I can hurt and I can begin to allow God to work on the inside of me. See, a good why is about taking a who to a where, but it starts with when you hurt for someone else. And Nehemiah, he sees this and he begins to hurt and, 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 and he sits down for a number of days and fast mornings and prays, but then he gets up and he goes and does something. See, I think a lot of us might be in a spot where we're sitting down but it's time that we get up and go do something. See, it's one thing to sit down and hurt for somebody else, but it's another thing to put no action to it. And what I find interesting is, is kind of off topic, but Nehemiah goes back to the king, and he goes back to his job. See, I think a lot of times we'll find something new, and we'll get up and we'll leave what we're doing to go pursue this new thing. And what I find interesting is in Nehemiah's case is he goes back to the king, and because he went back to what he was doing, and because he did it faithfully, and because he had the king's ear and he was a servant and it wasn't about him, but it was about his job and what he was in and what I'm doing right now and how important that was to him, it opened doors of opportunity for him. He was able to go to the people in Jerusalem and help them rebuild. He was able to leave his job and go. See, a lot of the things that we're doing right now, uh, us like, okay, God, I know you have me here, but I'm not really going to put my heart into it because I know you have bigger things for me. I know, God, that there's a bigger plan for my life. So I'm going to kind of just halfway do this job and, and I'm just going to make it through and go through the motions. But as soon as God brings a big opportunity, man, I'm all in. And that's not what Nehemiah did. See, Nehemiah was a servant. The Bible says to serve as if you're serving unto God. And I believe that Nehemiah did that because he was able, when he asked the king, can I go? He said, yeah, go. It reminds me of the story of David. David becomes anointed to be the king of a nation. But you know what the first thing he did after he got anointed? Is he went back to the sheep. And he went back and finished picking up the, the sheep poop and cleaning the sheep and brushing them out. And I believe it's anywhere from 15 to 17 years David did that until he actually sat on the throne, until he actually put a crown on, until he actually got to make a decision that actually had any impact on the nation. See, I think a lot of us are getting ahead of ourselves sometimes, but really we get ahead of God because we see something big or we hear a word from God or we get the, and so we just go out and do it, but we forget but see, if you're faithful in the little things, the Bible says that God is faithful in much. And I believe that where you're at right now, God has a purpose for that. And you need to be faithful in that because if you are, it'll open doors of opportunity for your future. It says that Nehemiah got up and he went. A good why is about taking a who 
to aware. Ask your neighbor, why do you do? See, growing up for me, life was mainly about me. Uh, from the time I could talk, you'd ask me, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to become a pastor because that's what my dad did. That's the reason. I just want to, well, that's what my dad does. That's what I want to do. I want to be just like my dad. And as I got older and I got to start making my own decisions and getting into high school, and, and I knew one day I'll be in ministry. And I knew one day I'm going to fulfill the plan of God on my life. And I knew one day that I'd make those decisions, but that day was not today. So I'm going to do my thing. And I took pride in who I was and, and how popular I was. And my motto in high school literally was, I don't know everyone, but everyone knows me. And I love that. And it wasn't because I was, like, super good-looking. Things have changed since. Um, and it wasn't because, like, I was this all-star athlete. Um, I, I, no, it was because I knew the right people, and I could make the right people laugh. I was funny. And so I got in with the crowd, and, and I began to take pride in that. I took pride in the fact that I was the most popular varsity basketball player three years in a row, and I never got one second of playing time because I was the water boy. It is what it is. And, and, and I took pride in the fact that everybody knew who I was. So all my decisions, everything I decided to do was based on me and what I wanted to do and how I acted and how it was about being successful instead of significant. It was about what, man, what shoes I wore, what money I had or what, what I had. It was about what instead of who or why. And see, Nehemiah, we see this in his, in his life, but his position opened doors for him, and, and, and he begins to go, and we see a picture of Nehemiah's why, about a who to a where. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about my why, if I could. See, for me, I knew that one day I'm going to have to make a decision to, am I either going to continue doing what I'm doing, or am I going to actually take steps in the direction that God has called me to take them in? And when it came time to graduate and go to college or whatever, um, I figured, you know what, maybe I'll just go play baseball, walk on and play baseball with my buddy Casey, and we'll have fun in Walla Walla, and it'll just be a grand old time. Uh, uh, and then in the back of my head, I was like, but maybe I should like, check out like Portland Bible College. I don't know what I'm going to do. And my dad came to me one day and said, hey, you can do whatever you want to do, but you're either going to take steps in the direction you're going, or you're going to start taking steps in the direction God's called you to go. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll think about it. Walla walla. You know, I was like, I'll think about it. KC baseball. Uh, and then God so easily and so graciously broke me one day at, at an altar, and I knew I need to go to Bible college. So I started looking at Portland Bible College. I'm like, it's going to be great. It's like three hours away. I can come home after school if I wanted to and then go back, come home on the weekends, be in church. It's going to be awesome. And then somewhere, at a, at a, I don't know who it was, mentioned Rama. And I'm like, I've never even heard of that. What, what even is that? Uh, and it's a Bible college. I'm like, okay, well, where's it at? And it's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And I'm like, what? Is that what? <laughs> like an Indian town. or I don't know what it is. And, and, and come to find out, it's basically Tulsa. And I'm like, oh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm like, well, well where is that at? Like, oh, it's 2,000 miles away. I'm like, I'm out. Sorry, not going there. I don't know anybody. I've never been there. And, and, but I knew as I kept getting closer and closer to making a decision that that was where God needed me to be. Uh, and I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And I want to tell you a little bit about my why. A good why is taking a who to where. TJ, will you come up on the stage? TJ, this is my little brother, if, if you didn't know. Uh, 
See, and I don't know if you know a lot of TJ's story, um, and if you don't and you want to know more after service, he'd be willing to just open up his life with you and share <laughs> every small detail of it. Um, but like TJ, by the time he was uh, in eighth grade, he was like the middle school drug dealer. And it's like kind of funny because you're like, what? But literally, he was like selling drugs in the bathroom in middle school. Uh, and I, that would make me a sophomore at the time. And I didn't even know what those things were. Like, I'd never heard of that. It was like, you're doing what? Uh, and, and, and I think he was like kicked out of like every school he went to, somehow expelled or, or, or suspended or, hey, you can't go to this school anymore because you're a bad influence on all the good kids. And, uh, and, and getting arrested and for drinking and driving when he was like 14 or something like that. He's like, didn't even have a lot. How? How does this make, things that blew my mind. Like, how does that even make sense? And, and uh, when I, me and TJ are really close. And we got to play football together in high school. It was just we were really close. And, uh, and see, what happened was I began to hurt for TJ. I mean, I made it to Bible college, and I began to look back and see the things that TJ was going through and realize that, man, that's not God's plan for him. And every time we would try and talk, Whoever it was, okay, let's talk about God and let's talk about your future and his plan for your life. His response uh, almost to a T would be, listen, church is for you and dad. It's not for me. And I need you guys to be okay with that. I'm okay with it. I need you to be okay with that. That that is for you guys. It's not for me. And it's like, okay, and I began to hurt for him. And so I began to, man, it, my life was just maybe, just maybe I could live my life in a way that would show TJ that there's something better out there. That if I could just show him or walk in a direction that would just show him through my life and how I live that there's, you can make different decisions and they are better for you, then that's what I, that, that's what I chose to do. And I'm not taking credit for all that God's done in his life, but I believe that I played some sort of a part in, in God working through his life. And I remember I'd be at, at school, and I, I helped lead a, a men's Bible study, and, and we'd be praying, and, and I feel like I would hear God's voice in my life, and he would say, one day you and TJ will do ministry together. And then, oh my gosh, it would just put a fire on the inside of me, and I wrote it down in my, in my notes on my phone, and I still have it, and it says, and uh, like September 2000, Saturday 2011, and it says, me and TJ will do ministry together, and then uh, I, I'd call TJ, and, and he's in the same spot doing the same things with the same people, just life really not going much of anywhere, just about him and about his career and football, and, 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 and it's just, and I, I continued to hurt for him, and I'd come home from, from school, and I'd be on breaks, and would literally have to put a, a, a divide between me and TJ, because my life decisions didn't align with his, and I can't be around that stuff, and I need to show him that there's a better way out there, even when it looked like he had no care in the world to ever get better, or to ever follow after God, and I knew, okay, maybe I can, maybe if I just keep it up, maybe I can do it. And it really it began to, man, he's my, he's my little brother. I got I to gotta get him there. I got to get him to this spot. And I remember one spring break, I was in Tulsa, and he came to visit me. And I was pumped because, hey, my little brother's coming to hang out with me. And, and, I, and I think he was pumped because he's, we're going to see each other. I mean, we're like best friends, so it's going to be a great time. And he lands, and we, hey, what up? It's good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And we're in the car, and we're headed to the, to the house. And he's like, so what are we doing today? And I'm like, well, uh, I, I, I got a Bible study we got to go to tonight. And he was like, are you kidding me? And I think he said something worse, but I mean, it's along those lines, like, like seriously? And I was like, well, I kind of lead it. Like, I got to be there. Just, we got to be there. And it's like, fine. So we're there, 
And I was like, man, that'll be quick. Don't worry about it. And 45 minutes, we're into it. And it's like, uh, and, there's, and, and there's guys, we're walking around, we're praying, we're you know, speaking life over each other and reading our Bibles. And uh, it's in a, in, a, in a back room at a church, and there's tons of these round tables everywhere. And, and I'm like, I wonder where TJ's at. And he's literally in the center of the room at a, at a round table, and he has his, his hand in his hand like this, and he's playing a game on his phone. And I think he's been sitting in that position for like 45 minutes. And I was just like, what did I do? Why did I bring him here? And he's sitting there thinking, what did I do? Why did I come here? What a waste of my spring break. And I saw one of my buddies, his name's AJ. And he goes over and he begins uh, to sit down and talk with TJ. And I'm just like, oh boy. And I'm like, come on. And, and I begin to see a, a literal change in TJ. And I begin to see tears roll down his face. And I begin to see chains falling off of him. And it was one of the best moments for me because, yeah, it's great. And, and, and the, rest of that, the rest of that vacation was literally me and him just strategizing, okay, how can you come back? And what kind of changes are you going to make? And how can you make a difference in your school? And how can you be a bigger key player in the church? And it was, it was like, this is amazing. I mean, God's doing a work in TJ. And TJ comes back and slowly but surely begins to fall right back into the same old things. And I'm sitting there like, God, I thought we had him. And I began to hurt and just, God, I know you have a plan. God, I know you have a will for TJ's life. If I could just keep showing him that there's better things out there. And what's cool is I, I move home. I began working at the church and out of nowhere, almost like a, a right hook, TJ says, hey, I think I want to go to Bible college. And I was like, what? It makes no sense. Because <laughs> I think I want to go to Bible college. And it's like, oh my gosh, God, you're so good. And TJ goes to Bible college and, 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 and then he comes home and he decides I'm going to do, I, I think I'm going to do the internship. And I don't know if you know what the internship is here at the church, but it's, it's not just a walk in the park. I mean, it's it's tough. It's intense. And not only that, but he, as my little brother, had to submit himself under his older brother and say, hey, correct me and discipline me in any way. And I'll say, yes, sir. And I'll just, I mean, it's not that easy. And he makes a hard decision to place himself in a, good, in a better spot. And, and the, the best part about it for me is things like seeing where he's working now and, and, and how God's moving in his life now. And he's now managing a store that he was fired from, but, but because God always has a better plan. Like Josh was saying, his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. Man, TJ's now managing a store that he, he was fired from. And not only that, but managers are, are coming to have lunch with him. And not only that, but the owners of the company are flying out just to have lunch with TJ to give him opportunities to give him money and to give him the things that anybody with the brain would say, yes, I'm in. And they said, cool, you just got to move to Nevada. You just got to move to Reno. You just got to come here with us and we're going to open the world for you. And, and the best part about it is him sitting there saying, that sounds amazing. But I need to let you know that my dream job is right down the road working with my dad and my brother at the church. And... And the best part is him realizing that he doesn't have to fit a cookie-cutter Christian, that God made him a certain way because he's going to reach a certain people, and that if he would just allow himself to allow God to use him, that things can happen 
My why is TJ about getting a who to a place. That's why I do what I do. TJ represents the purpose of my why. But it doesn't stop there. There's, there's a product of your why too. There's things that just happen, like benefits that come out of, the, out of nowhere. It's like, well, oh my gosh, that's amazing. God is so good. Like Fredo, will you come up here? Fredo represents a product of my why. And again, I'm not taking responsibility for what God's done in their life, but I believe that somehow I may have had an impact in, in, in where they're at now. But if you would have seen Fredo when he decided to join an internship, that I don't think he, I don't even know if he'd been to church more than, you know, it was like, I don't know if he had been to our church before. I don't know. But like out of nowhere, Fredo shows up and someone talks him into doing an internship. And so he's like, here, I'm here to apply for the internship. And you're looking at him like, I don't think we can accept you. Like, I, just look at you. Like, what? I don't think it's going to work. And to see him as he begins to take a journey and decides I'm going to allow God to use my life. And I'm going to give my life to God. And you see God taking a, a hammer and it's like a, a big hammer, huge. And like a, like a railroad state, like huge. And just begins to chisel things away in Fredo's life, things that don't need to be there. And things begin to fall off Fredo's life. And he begins to walk in a direction. And, and, and maybe every now and then there's a couple steps backwards, but then he would take a couple steps in the right direction. And, and God began to work in his life. And, and it all comes down to sitting in a, in a hospital room with him and his wife and hearing the most dreadful news you could ever hear and wondering, God, I don't know how he's going to make it. And then to see the steps of faithfulness that he's taken afterwards and to see the fact that him and his wife have taken a position that, God, this doesn't define us and that this situation is going to bring you glory and we're going to allow you to let us help other people who might be going through the same thing. Fredo represents a product of my why because where he's at now is so much different than where he started. And God is so good. He represents a product of my why, but it doesn't stop there. There's a purpose to my why. There's, a, there's products of my why, but then there's also potential. There's a potential to your why. Is Sydney here? Sydney, will you come up here? This is my little cousin, Sydney, and she represents the potential of my why. Because, see, I don't know if she fully understands her why yet. I don't think she has a full grasp. I think there's things she wants to do and there's desires that God has placed on the inside of her. But I don't think she's fully understood, God, this is my why. And if I could just live my life in a way, if I could just show her that there's better things out there, that God has a plan, and if you would just align your life with his word, and if you would just obey him, and you would follow the protocol of what God has for us, that you will find out your why. And if she finds out her why, do you guys understand that if she finds out her why, the, the possibilities with her and God are endless? Like she can change a school, she can change a city, she can change a nation. The potential of her why is incredible. It's about getting a who to aware. There's also like a pain of my why too. I knew a girl in high school, one of the, one of the, 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 the nicest girls you've ever met, the biggest smile in the world. She's pretty, she's smart, she's funny, she's, she's popular, she's friendly, she's friends with everybody. And then you find out one day she decides to commit suicide. And she never, never understands her why. And I think to myself as I 
begin to prep for this message and the, the, the purpose of my why and the, 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 the product of my why and the potential of my why, but then there's also the pain of my why that she never got to understand or f- figure out her why. And I want it, I want my life that no matter who I meet, no matter who I come in contact with, I don't want anyone I know never to figure out their why. I don't want anybody that I, go to, that I go to coffee with. I don't want anybody that I'm in relationship with or anybody I come in contact with. I don't want them to never have the opportunity to figure out their why. See, your why is so important. Your why is huge. And I'm praying today that you would rediscover your why. That God would show you things. Maybe you need to take scales off of your eyes or maybe he needs to take things out of your life. But you would rediscover your why. I had all of our youth leaders write on a piece of paper, if you would, I just want you to write out your why. And I want to know why you're here and why you do what you do and why you decided to come here on Wednesdays and help youth students and middle schoolers and high schoolers. Why? I want to know why. And I want to read you one of our leaders' why. Her name's Paige. And just so you know, I've read, I've read this like 12, 20 times. And I always have a struggle getting through it, so just bear with me as we move. But this says, this is my why. When I was a kid, I didn't grow up going to one church. We went to several churches, but never found a home church. At age four, my mom and dad went through an awful divorce. And I pray every day that they'd get back together, and they never did. So as a kid, I was mad at God for this happening. Felt like it lasted forever, and it was insanely bad. And Going into middle school, I told my mom I want to go live with my dad and my stepmom, and she was so mad and said some pretty mean things. In the middle school, I got involved in a youth group at South, up at South Hills Church, but I was the kid that got grounded from youth, that never made a connection with the leader and eventually never went back. Around this time, a little before, uh, there was something that happened to me that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. I was already blaming God for a lot, and was mad at him, and then this happened, and I didn't know why me. So I ran far away from God. It wasn't until college that my life was hitting rock bottom, drinking, drugs, guys, life wasn't good. And right before my senior year in high school, I found out my dad was having an affair with a lady from work, and he made me keep it a secret for about a year and a half. And college hit, and my dad and my stepmom got a divorce because of it. And my dad constantly lied to me, continued to cheat on any girlfriends he had. I resented him and didn't talk to him for about a year. And after Walla Walla, I knew I needed to change my life. I went far from home to go to school in Montana. I changed everything about myself. I came home a year later and got involved in a church. I got back in touch with friends from high school and things have been so different in all the right ways. No one in my family is saved or knows Jesus. I've invited them to church multiple times, but they just want nothing to do with it. So I pray for them every single day. My why is because I don't want a single kid to go through anything I went through alone. I had no one, and I don't want that for anyone. I hate watching days go by knowing that there are so many people I know who don't know Jesus. And I want every kid who walks through our doors to know life gets hard and can suck at times, but it can be a lot harder and a lot more lonelier and a lot more emptier if you don't have Jesus. And I want to help kids get close to God and to help those kids who already know God talk to kids who don't 
and how that they should approach friends, families, and anyone else who doesn't know God. Being a person who is far, far, far from God, I've had many people try to get me close to God, and some approaches were a lot worse than others. But also for our kids to know to never give up on someone and to never stop trying. My friend who got me to church started trying my freshman year in high school, and God brought us back together six years later. And here I am now. And seeing kids like Michonne and Susie and Kelsey and Selena are why. Because after youth camp, their lives were changed forever. Our kids are awesome and so incredible. And I want to keep building them up in their faith so that they can go change their schools, friends, family, and anyone and become amazing leaders and one day be where we are telling their testimonies and changing kids' lives. That's my why. See, Nehemiah heard about these people and says he sat down. And what I think is so amazing is that you're, you're here and you're sitting down. And one of what I want to do is I want to uh, give you guys an opportunity to make a symbolic action, to, to take a step. And if you're sitting here and, and I want you and, and your heart is, God, I need to know my why. God, I need you to show me my why. I need to reevaluate my why. And if you're here today and you're ready to take that step and you're ready not to just sit down and stay there, but you're ready to get up and take a move forward, to take a step of action and take a step of faith, and you're ready to step out of the bondage that you've been in, and you're ready to take a step of into your freedom that you're in, whoever you might be in here, and you're sitting down and you're ready to stand up and do something, on the count of three, I want you to stand. One, two, three. Right where you're at, stand up. Come on. amazing. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. God, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing right here. God, I thank you that these people have taken a step of faith. God, that it's time for them to do something. God, it's time for them to step out of that bondage. Whether it's a habit, whether it's a, a thought process, God, they're ready to step into the freedom, although it might be uncertain, and although it might be scary, and although it might not seem like it's going to work out, God, here we are standing in faith, because we know your word never fails. God, I thank you that our why is going to carry us through every single storm that comes our way. God, that whether we're on the ground crying, or God, whether we're standing in victory, God, I thank you that our why will carry us exactly where you need us to be. God, for everyone staying here, God, I thank you that your plans for them are good to give them a hope and a future never to harm them. God, I pray that today they leave here different than when they came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you guys can take a seat real quick. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you don't have a relationship with God, and you need to begin one, Maybe you just need to get your life right with God. Maybe, maybe you need to leave here on, on, okay, God, my life is here. I'm rededicating my life to you. 
If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. And we're going to give you that opportunity to do that. If that's you, awesome. Thank you. Just raise them. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you, man. I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, God, I love you. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. Today, I make you Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Make me new. And I choose to honor you and live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a hand? Is he not great with what he's done?